The story of Stray stretches back to 1966, when singer Steve Gadd, guitarist Del Brahman, bassist Gary Giles, and drummer Steve Crutchley all met while they were attending the local Christopher Wren School in London. A quote from Del Brahman, I joined my brother's group to Traders almost by accident when I was 13 years old. Their rhythm guitarist quit a few days before a gig and my brother suggested that as I used to watch them rehearse, I probably knew the songs as well as them. So I did one gig and stayed with them until I was about 16 years old and left when it became difficult to play with Stray and the Traders at the same time when Stray started to get our own gigs. Richie Cole was a drummer in another band and when our first drummer Steve Crutchley left, we asked Richie to join. Gary Giles and I first began playing together when we were about 13 years old, and then with Steve Gadd we formed what eventually became Stray. Another quote from Dell: I remember seeing Steve Gadd at school. He was always walking around singing and he looked good, very fashionable at the time. In retrospect, I didn't know if he could sing properly or not, but I just thought that he was the fellow for the job. I asked him and he said yes. The first drummer was Steve Crutchley, who played with us for about a year until he left to join a traditional jazz band. As for the name Stray, I remember the original four of us sitting at the back of our school art classroom discussing band names. Somehow the name Stray came up and I think we all felt that that was a good name because, like the name suggests, we did not have to stick to any particular path of music. We would do whatever we felt was right for us. Also, we liked the idea that the name was small and would look bigger on posters. The average age of Stray's members was 14 when they first started playing gigs. After Richie Cole replaced Steve Crutchley on drums, they became regulars on the London club circuit, performing at such venues as Shepherd's Bush Goldhawk Club and Covent Garden's Middle Earth. A quote from Dell. It all came together through our mutual love of soul, stacks, Motown, and the whole mod thing. We were small faces mad, but at the same time also loved the Beatles. We'd hang out at Carnaby Street every Saturday afternoon in our crumpled zoot suits and just loon about, watching in awe as Steve Marriott and company would be buying all the latest clobber from Lord John. The Who were our local heroes. We'd go and watch them play all the time. As the 60s went on, bands like Cream and Hendrix inspired a heavier sound. Spooky Tooth and Family were also major influences on Stray. A quote from Dell: I can remember watching Family. I had never seen or heard a band like that before. The boys soon traded in their mod-style suits for the flower power hippie garb and grew their hair down to their waists. They cut some early demos at R.G. Jones' studio in Morden, where the Rolling Stones, Yardbirds, and David Bowie had recorded. There was a later, more fruitful session at Regent Sound Studio on Denmark Street in London's West End. These recordings brought them to the attention of John Schrader, who had produced Man and Status Quo. A quote from Dell: He thought us being so young, we could be marketed as a pop group, but we had higher aspirations to play loud rock music. When the band resisted being molded, Schrader passed on managing them. In 1968, they joined the Amit and Mant management team, who helped them land some high-profile gigs, including at the Roundhouse. Del Brahman remembers sharing the bill with Deep Purple, 
love sculpture, and their favorite, Spooky Tooth. He called it a life-changing experience. Quote, it was so freaky and happening. They eventually opened a double bill at the Roundhouse of their two favorite and most influential bands, Spooky Tooth and Family, when they were all of 16 or 17 years old. A quote from Dell, What an indoctrination that was. A quote from Dell, Things began to accelerate as we heavied things up. At the beginning of 1970, Stray were signed to Transatlantic Records, a UK label that specialized in folk rock. Their self-titled debut album came out later that year, including the nine-minute All In Your Mind, later covered by Iron Maiden. Stray's self-titled debut album was a groundbreaking hard rock record that confirmed their status as a hot new band. They supported Free, Genesis, and Deep Purple, while at the same time headlining smaller gigs with up-and-coming bands like T2, Clear Blue Sky, and Raw Material opening. A quote from Dell, We were still only 17 or 18 at this time. I remember we had a lot of original songs, certainly enough for a double album. I can't recollect how it came to be, how the final selection of the songs were chosen, but I know we were all in agreement, and we thought we might be able to use some of the other songs for the next album. Another quote from Dell, Going with Transatlantic was the wrong decision. They wanted to move into the prog market, and the press, who never really looked at us favorably, thought that we were too young to be any good. The band apparently also had interest from Dirham Records at the time, which would have been a better fit, but they took the first deal that came along.
Stray appeared at the very first Reading Festival in 1971, alongside such acts as Rory Gallagher, Medicine Head, and Van de Graaff Generator. Later that year, they also made their debut TV appearance on a show called Disco 2. They went out on their first headline tour that winter with Red Dirt opening. They also toured Europe, opening for 10 years after. After returning to the UK, they played some support shows with Status Quo and went out on tour opening for the Groundhogs. They recorded their second album, Suicide, in just 30 hours at Olympic Studios, once again produced by Hugh Murphy. All eight tracks were written by Del Bramham, who also filled out the sound playing keyboards and Mellotron, supposedly the very same Mellotron that the Beatles used on Strawberry Fields Forever. The title track from their second album, Suicide, was actually banned by the BBC for containing the N-word.
in Jericho, such a peaceful town. Who would think that all the world would tumble to the ground? Then from our window, folks began to yell that an army of trumpets were descending, making walls crumble, making all of Jericho tumble to the ground. Falling down like rain And when we clear up all the place will never be the same Joshua left the army And the new fall well Thousand the army of old trumpets ever blowing Would really shake the city Making all the Jericho Jump onto the ground A quote from Dell, We were one of the first bands to use our own lighting and pyrotechnics. When we played the Wheelie Festival in Essex in 1970, we wanted our performance to be dynamic. Our managers tasked our crew to get some really special effects at the end of our set. We were the last act on, playing into the early hours. We let off a barrage of fireworks into the sky. What we did not realize was that they had actually got distress flares, and we were near to the coast, and we discovered that lifeboats had gone out to sea looking for a ship that might be in trouble. We had to send an apology and a donation for the trouble we had caused. Also, I remember playing a festival which I think was in Belgium. We played before the band Yes, and we let off explosives which blew a hole in the stage. The organizers and Yes were not impressed. Looking for a break, Stray soon signed on with a new manager, a shady individual named Wilf Pine, one of the very few British members of the American Mafia. Pine had previously been one of the infamous Don Arden's heavies and helped manage the move during their successful years. He was a close personal friend of the London gangsters the Cray Twins, and his gangland exploits were later detailed in John Pearson's book one of the family, the Englishman and the Mafia. Pine had become accepted as a trusted friend of the influential godfather Joe Pagano, and with the help of business partner Patrick Meehan, had begun to make waves in the music business, accumulating a management and promotion roster that included Black Sabbath, Yes, The Groundhogs, Gentle Giant, and the Edgar Broughton Band. A quote from Dell. Wilf turned up like a cliché, in a white suit, a big cigar, and a Mercedes car, insisting he could take us further. But it wasn't to be. Years later, after re-establishing friendship with Peter Emmett and Ivan Mant, the group's original managers, I learned they'd been on the brink of signing us to Island Records, who were very much the label at the time. Had we become a part of that stable, history might have been very different. We'll be right back. 
The band's third album, Saturday Morning Pictures, released in 1972, was produced by Martin Birch. Major gigs followed, supporting the Groundhogs, Gentle Giants, Status Quo, Thin Lizzy, Hawkwind, and Atomic Rooster, and some headlining gigs at the Marquee Club. For the band's appearance at the second Reading Festival in 1972, appearing alongside Status Quo 10 years after in Wizard, Del Bramham decided to cause a splash by making a suit covered entirely in mirrors. A quote from Del, What I did not realize was that I could not bend my legs to get onto the stage, so it took three roadies to lift me onto the stage. We were going on after Status Quo and before Wizard. Our set was during the daytime, but even so, I'm told that it looked amazing. This was a year or so before Naughty Holder had the idea for his famous reflective top hat. In August of 1973, Stray opened for Black Sabbath at the Alexandra Palace. For their fourth album, the band decided to take a shot at the big time. Musicians from the London Symphony contributed brass and strings to their 1973 album, Mudanzas, which was recorded with mobster manager Wilf Pine as producer. The album was a drastic departure, with brass and string arrangements sometimes drowning out the band. A quote from Dell, When we were signed up by Wilf Pine of Worldwide Artists, his decision was to take us off the road for a while, as we'd been constantly gigging for years. He thought coming back after a period of absence, with a new sound and look, could be what was needed. One criticism we'd experienced, mainly from the press at the time, was that we were too young to be musically competent, so we had to have the stage show Lights and Pyrotechnics in order to distract from the music. So now music was going to be the top priority, a quote from drummer Richie Cole, It seemed like ages that we were off the road. It was three months or more. 
We hadn't taken a break from gigging before because we were a working band and people needed paying, even our road crew. So for us to take such a long break was both good and possibly needed at the time. A quote from singer Steve Gadd, I don't think we approach this album any differently from the previous ones, not consciously at least. Obviously we were a bit more experienced. A quote from Dell, Initially we spent about a week at Escape Studios in Kent, and in retrospect we got up to all sorts of nonsense, recording into the early hours of the morning. A young Tony Taverner, who went out to work with Duran Duran, had the misfortune to be the house engineer. We would finish a session and then carry on jamming through the night on speed or LSD. Poor Tony was slumped over the desk as we just carried on. I wish the tapes had still been rolling on those nights. I remember one night in particular, me tinkering away on a Hammond C3 organ. I never knew the reason why, but we didn't use anything we recorded in Kent, with the possible exception of the backing track for Soon As You've Grown. It's quite possible that Wilf effectively refused to pay the bill, and we went to Olympic Studios instead. A quote from bassist Gary Giles, The recording sessions for what was to become the Mudanzas album were approached with a great sense of excitement and energy. We felt that after years on the road, at last we had a chance to show that Stray were not just another heavy rock band. We had never considered ourselves as heavy rock anyways. It just seemed to be a pigeonhole that some of the music press put us into. A quote from drummer Richie Cole. We went into Escape Studios for a week and we were pretty excited and a bit nervous. There were lots of changes going on behind the scenes and the new management was very much unlike the cozy, almost family relationship that we had grown up with. The rehearsals went well and were very constructive. We jammed a lot late into the early hours and the mood was very positive. A quote from Steve Gadd, We all wanted more mainstream success and of course a hit. We thought that Wilf would be able to achieve that for us. I think we were tired from constantly gigging and needed a bit of a lift. When I listen back to the track The Gambler, which I wrote, I can hear the negativity and remember the no-win situation that I was in. Gad would leave the band following their next album. Quote from Dell, We found ourselves in Olympic Studios, 
with Alan O'Duffy as engineer and Wilf Pine as the producer, and we started recording the whole album again. However, this time Wilf wanted to make the sound bigger and more sophisticated with the use of strings and brass. Wilf suggested a new arranger on the scene at the time, Andrew Powell. He arranged the strings and, also in 1973, went on to become rather famous working with Cockney Rebel and later on Kate Bush and David Gilmore, among others. A quote from Gary Giles, This was a chance to really expand our music and show what we could do. Mudanzas was on another level to our previous three albums and it felt like a natural progression. A quote from Richie Cole, During the recording, we knew that this album was going to be different. We looked forward to the change and our playing was very good. We were eager to show what we could do. I was a little skeptical, I guess, as to how it would be received, but as we know, it really was special and the majority of fans liked it. It was a change in style, but it still worked in the live shows, which was very important to us. A quote from Steve Gadd. Wilf obviously had big ideas, but I am not sure that we realized how big the difference was. I went to a mixing session one evening and was surprised by how much had been added. We had no control whatsoever over this process and I was a bit nervous. Wilf had not been a musician, or what we thought was musically minded. We took him on because we thought he could get us places. His taking over the music was a bit of a shock, I suppose, but Wilf wasn't the kind of manager that you sat down and talked to. A quote from Richie Cole. After our actual recording, I wandered into Olympic on a day that Andrew Paul was arranging the strings. To see a full orchestra sitting there playing along to our songs was special. For me, it was like, wow. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon.
A quote from Steve Gadd, Everyone said that the album was full of strings and brass, but it really wasn't. Listening to it now, it's about 50-50. I can't say that it was my favorite Stray album. A quote from Dell, Wilf came up with the album title. Loosely translated from Spanish to English, Mudanzas means to move on or to change. He thought that was appropriate because the feeling at the time was Stray were doing exactly that. Mudanzas received mixed reviews from the press and the public. A quote from Dell, Did we go too far with Mudanzas? I don't think so, but the band did perhaps get a little swamped by the orchestral elements. Having said that, I'm often told that Oasis later nicked what we were trying to do. For the next album, manager Wilf Pine suggested that the band record Cliff Richard's 1958 hit Move It as the title track. A quote from Dell, We went, what? But Wilf was insistent. The band flew to Connecticut to record the Move It album. A quote from Dell, With Move It, our manager decided to fly us to America to record, to try and get a different mood for the album.
The band might have eked out some grudging respect from the critics and the press, but album sales failed to materialize, and Wilf Pine put them on the back burner. As other business interests filled his time, there were also tensions with singer Steve Gadd, who was starting to make noise about wanting to write more. A quote from Dell, How can I put this? Steve was a great frontman, and we'd been a tight-knit group until he found new friends, new lady friends. For a while, there was a bit of a John and Yoko thing going on. At first, Gad decided that he just no longer wanted to be the frontman, opting to be a second guitarist instead. But that didn't work either. The singer's departure almost ended in a fistfight with Richie Cole. Gad later confessed to Dell, quote, I couldn't have lived with what I was like back then. Del Bramham took on the role of lead vocalist, a naturally shy person at one of the earliest gigs with Del as the frontman. A roadie had to prod him out on stage with a broom handle. With Del also playing keyboards sometimes on stage, Stray added a second guitarist, Pete Dyer. Steve Gadd had left the band during the recording of the next album, Stand Up and Be Counted. Quote from Dell, By the time we got to record Stand Up and Be Counted, the band were having personal problems, in particular with Steve Gadd. Our ideas had become very different. Steve left the band and we brought in a friend of ours, Pete Dyer. We scrapped some of the songs we had recorded with Steve and started about recording new songs, most of which I had already planned for a solo album, even back then. This was also the first time that I was actually sharing lead vocals with Pete. Stand Up and Be Counted was a softer album, the band still failing to find its niche. By now, Wilf Pine had gotten them away from Transatlantic Records and signed them to an offshoot of the Pie Records label called Dawn.
Stray undertook their first American tour in July of 1975, opening for Spirit and Canned Heat. They were shocked to see a familiar face in the crowd at the Starwood, Ozzy Osbourne. A quote from Dell, Ozzy came backstage and insisted that he wanted to produce our band. Ozzy also asked the band for a lift back to the hotel. On the way, they were pulled over by the police. A quote from Dell, Our driver jumped a red light, and suddenly there were all these sirens. Sat between myself and Gary, Ozzy started wriggling about. In the same car the following day, much to our astonishment, we found this elkhorn full of a dubious-looking white powder hidden down the back of the seat. I'm not saying that Ozzy left it there, but make up your own mind. The band tapped into the stateside vibe for their next album, Houdini, released in 1976. A quote from Dell, We recorded Houdini following an American tour and I think it has a different feel because of the influences. The band had American radio in mind and sounded more confident than in recent years. Take it as it comes I'll 
Houdini's release happened to coincide with the first UK tour by Kiss, and Stray were booked to open. A quote from Dell, It was a fantastic experience, really good exposure for us. Equally good was how well they treated us. They were absolute gentlemen. Stray knew very little about Kiss as of opening night at the Birmingham Odeon. A quote from Dell, Just as we were walking on stage, they bounded down this staircase in full makeup, looking like they'd come straight out of a Captain Marvel comic, and shouted, Good luck, guys. It was the weirdest thing ever. The Kiss tour went well, but with punk rock dominating the scene, 76 was a tough year for Stray, even though Captain Sensible was a fan of the band, and Stray even shared a bill with the Damned in St. Albans. Despite their average age of just 25, they'd been around for a while, had released quite a few albums, and got lumped in with the rock dinosaurs, dismissed by the punks. A quote from Dell, Many of the punk bands were the same age as us, but we found ourselves firmly on the outside of what was going on, and before we knew it, the gigs dried up, Having parted ways with Wilf Pine and seeking a quick fix, Stray actually amped up the underworld connections, engaging Charlie Cray, the elder sibling of the infamous gangster duo Ronnie and Reggie Cray, as their next manager. Charlie had been a showbiz agent in the 60s, but when the Twins' empire came crashing down in 1969, Charlie Cray was inevitably dragged down with it. He had just been released from prison, having been sentenced for the role he played in covering up a pair of murders of fellow mobsters George Cornell and Jack McVitie. The former shot dead by Ronnie Cray in a bar, the latter stabbed to death by Reggie Cray at a party. Charlie Cray had been released from prison in 1975. A quote from Dell. It was all a publicity stunt, and we made all of the daily papers, but it backfired on us big style. The initial plan had been for Don Arden to manage the band, and Dell went to meet Don. But while he was waiting, Charlie Cray turned up, who also was there to meet with Don Arden. The two started talking and both ducked out on their meetings with Don Arden. But linking up with an infamous ex-con didn't pan out. A quote from Dell... On the first night of our tour in Scarborough, 
The club's manager came into the dressing room and asked, Are we expecting trouble? Plainclothes police had turned up. Other bands were terrified of us. It all got out of hand. For a while, there was even a stupid rumor that we beat up support bands. In February of 1977, Canadian rockers Rush took Stray out on a British tour at the insistence of their drummer, Neil Peart, who, while he was living in London, working at a jewelry shop in the early 70s, used to go see Stray at the Marquee Club all the time. Stray's eighth and final studio album, Hearts of Fire, was released to coincide with the Rush tour. Stray had been together for eight years, never canceled a gig, but now they were at the end of the road, flat broke. With the continuing advent of punk, the time had come to face the fact that their much-deserved breakthrough was never going to happen. They played their final gig at Nottingham Boat Club in November of 1977.
A few years later, the other members, minus Del Brahman, tried to reform the band with new members Don Hollis and Tony Powell. The new incarnation of Stray supported Saga on their 1981 British tour. However, the lineup soon disintegrated and Del Brahman returned to the band. Steve Gadd even rejoined in 1984, but it didn't last long. Then in 1990, Iron Maiden released their own version of Stray's first single, All In Your Mind, as the B-side to the Holy Smoke single. A quote from Dell: When Steve Harris called out of the blue, I thought it was a wind-up. We met up for a drink and ended up becoming good friends. Iron Maiden later invited a reunited Stray to open for them on their 2003 tour of Europe. Del Bramham had tried to start a band with heavy metal kids frontman Gary Holton, and during the 80s he was a member of several other bands, including Nightwing and Razorback. There was a Stray reunion in the mid-90s. In 2007, Castle Music remastered and re-released all of the band's albums. Dell has tried to keep the band going, even releasing a new album called Valhalla in 2010. At the release party for the album, Steve Gadd got on stage while bassist Gary Giles watched from the bar. A quote from Dell: I'm the last remaining member of the original band, and the reason I'm still doing this is very simple. I've never wanted to do anything else.
be back. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.